The cancer journey is unique for everyone. It's time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to Unspoken Cancer Truths with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome to episode 46 of Unspoken Cancer Truths. I'm your host, Jen Cochran. During the month of December, I've been talking with survivors who are making fitness fun. There are definitely some barriers to getting moving again, even for those of us who had a strong movement or exercise practice before cancer. Often our mood can bring us down and we can talk ourselves out of doing what we planned. Or we might have fear around what exercise is going to feel like. Can we even do the thing? Or what it's going to look like. If I was running before and I had a certain time, am I going to still be able to do that time? And then we just decide not to start. But sometimes having a buddy who's expecting you to show up is enough to keep you on track or to get you out the door. And having accountability and an understanding partner in crime can really just make a huge difference in what that journey starts to look like. Then it really is fun. It's fun to connect with that person. So my guest this week is Michelle Stravitz. And she knows this all too well. I'm so happy to welcome her to share her story and how her story led her and her partner in crime to start Too Unstoppable. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you and to share your story and how that came to inspire to Unstoppable. I had the fun experience of joining you on a virtual walk and talk a couple of weeks ago um, where I met Denise Manos, who was my guest last week. Um, she and I had such a lovely conversation. So I know you're creating a great community there, but I really want to hear about your story and what your experience was. Sure. I was diagnosed in 2015 at the age of 48 with triple negative breast cancer, um, stage two. It was June. Um, it was definitely unexpected. I did not have a family history. Um, when I first discovered the lump, my doctor said, oh, it's probably nothing. And, you know, here we are. So I was diagnosed in June of 2015. And I uh, had triple negative. So that means they typically start with chemo. It's a very aggressive form of breast cancer, very scary. I had a four centimeter mass. And so we did a very aggressive chemotherapy treatment for about 20 weeks. I then had a large lumpectomy and um, some plastic surgery. And then that was followed by 30 sessions of radiation. Um, so all in all, my treatment was over a period of nine months. It was, again, an aggressive treatment and involved all kinds of, you know, bumps along the way like everyone else. Um, so, but I am here five years later and I'm glad to, grateful to be healthy and well. Um, and I do like to share with those of you out there who were diagnosed with triple negative, and I know it's a scary diagnosis that you can make it through and it's tough, but here I am again. So that's my sort of short summation of my story. Throughout my treatment, I had, you know, wonderful caregivers, wonderful providers, and my oncologist from pretty early on 
was actually quite clear with me. Um, she did say, the more you move, the less fatigued you'll be. It's counterintuitive, but it's true. And so I was one of those so counterintuitive. You think, oh, you're tired from chemo, you're tired from treatment, you're exhausted from both the sleeplessness that comes along with the fears and anxiety of cancer, but also from the treatment, the, the steroids they put you on and, and the whole schedule mess up that you're on and not feeling well. So, you know, that's all called cancer related fatigue. And it can have anything to do with your emotional well-being to your physical well-being, but it's all cancer-related fatigue. And yet, the best treatment for cancer-related fatigue is actually to keep moving. So I was a rule follower. I did everything she said. I ate what she said. I took my meds when she told me. I you know I did my treatments. I really listened to my oncologist, and that included her guidance on movement. So I tried whenever I could to get some form of exercise in, and often that was just taking a walk. Um, I have a dog, so I was sort of forced or encouraged to walk anyway with my dog. But there were many days when I was really afraid to walk by myself, you know, during the heavier weeks of chemo and as it built up cumulatively, the, the effects of it. Um, there were days when I just didn't feel safe walking by myself. And so I often would say to a friend, if they said, you know, what can I do for you? I'd say, come walk with me. Um, I would just, you know. Some people brought me meals and some people brought me flowers and some people drove my kids to their athletic practices, but there were also friends who came and just took a walk with me throughout my treatment. And that was really helpful. Um, one of those people was my friend, Ilana. She is now my co-founder on Two Unstoppable, and we'll talk more about that later. But she was um, several years ahead of me in her diagnosis and, and she had her treatment. And so when we walked, we would talk. And she could give me a little bit of sort of mentoring, peer-to-peer, -peer, honest feedback on what it was like. So she didn't actually go through chemotherapy. But while I was finishing up chemo, I was looking ahead to my surgery and wondering what that would be like and what the recovery might feel like. And so I was able to ask her questions as we walked and talked. And then as I approached radiation, it was the same thing. She could give me some guidance and feedback on what that's like and what she did and what were her tips and how'd she make it through and so on. So I found the power both of the movement itself, but also the power of doing it with a friend. Um, there was another phase of my treatment where another friend of mine, her husband was diagnosed with cancer. And again, we would walk and talk and talk about what that felt like. So I really experienced the power of that. I'm, I'm also someone who had always been into yoga for many years. Uh, yoga was a big part of my life. And I found yoga to be a very helpful element, um, not only in staying moved you know, moving and moving my body, but really more importantly, helping my mind and to find stillness in my body and my mind on my mat. I was not able to do some of the more powerful or athletic yogas that I'd been doing before during treatment, but I was able to do a gentle yoga. The cancer support center near me had a restorative yoga that I went to each week, and it was a little bit of an oasis in my life. And then again, finding other women going through the process being in the class was an opportunity to find both social support and that physical fitness that fit my schedule and my needs. I found that after surgery and radiation, I had a lot of tightness. Um, I, I regained my mobility pretty quickly, but that side of my body never, never uh, 
you know, went back to the way it had been. And so I found that I needed to stretch that part of my body every single day. So whether it's just doing the stretching or specifically using the yoga to get the stretches in, that was also a really important part of my recovery, um, knowing that I now, and I've, my surgeon has advised me that I'm going to need to stretch that part of my body probably every day of my life to have it not tighten up again. Um, again, I have the mobility, but it feels different on one side versus another. So the movement, the yoga, the exercise, and then what was interesting was when I finished treatment, I went to a lot of like then I had some time, right, to go to some of those classes or webinars on the emotional roller coaster of survivorship or nutrition after cancer or emotional well-being or chemo brain. I definitely suffered from chemo brain and brain fog that comes from, you know, the chemotherapy. So I went to a whole bunch of classes to kind of learn a little bit more. I found them very validating. I found them very informative. And do you know that no matter what the topic was, Every single one of them told me to exercise. Um, again, whether it was to help my chemo brain or to improve on my nutrition and health or to get through the emotional roller coaster of survivorship, they all told me to exercise. Um, I remember that I went to one class and I believe this class was actually on nutrition, but she told us how in six months of chemotherapy, you can lose the same amount of muscle mass as you would typically lose in 10 years of normal aging. So all else being equal, women will typically lose about three or four pounds of muscle mass just in the course of aging over 10 years. And again, I was diagnosed in my late 40s. So I was moving into my 50s at that point, And I was absolutely floored by that number that made me and then I took a look at my arms and I realized it's like I had no muscle left in my arms so that also was kind of a fire under my belly that got me moving and motivated that I really needed to rebuild my strength um, I also found that after chemotherapy my balance was off so again I was someone who did a lot of yoga and we would do some of the balance positions and I realized like things that I that came so easily to me before treatment were just that were really hard after. And so I've been working for four years now since then um, on my balance. And it's finally back to where it was, maybe even better, but it took a long time. Same with my strength. I remember taking a bar class um, shortly after I finished all my treatment and you do like small weights and with your arms. And at the beginning, I was literally doing the exercises with no weight in my hands. I was just the own the weight of my own arms was all I could do to lift that. And then I slowly built up, you know, I slowly built up two pounds, three pounds, and now I'm up to, you know, eight, 10, 12 pounds for some of these exercises. In fact, during this pandemic, I've had to search far and wide for hand weights um, to use as I, as I get stronger. So it's something that I had to work really hard at, but it became a real priority in my life based on Again, my physician's recommendations, but more importantly, my own actual experiences and my own education. And all of that has helped me to regain my confidence, you know, feel better about my body, feel better about myself. And then I think probably the most important thing for many women or anyone really who's gone through cancer is that there's so many elements of cancer that feel out of control. 
Um, there's so many, the diagnosis itself is typically unexpected. It's, uh, for those of us who had thought we took care of our bodies before, you know, I thought I ate healthy. I thought I was, you know, doing some exercise. I thought I was living a healthy lifestyle and yet my body betrayed me and, and, you know, cancer built and grew inside of me. So it feels very out of control. And then you go through all this treatment and, and you almost don't have a chance to catch up and breathe and, and, and figure out where you are. Exercise is a way after I finish treatment of taking back some of that control. It's a way of me saying, what can I do to lower the risk of this happening again? I can't prevent it. I mean, Olympic athletes get cancer. I can't right. guarantee anything, but I can do something to minimize my risk of recurrence. I can do something to increase my likelihood of survival and simply just feel like I'm taking control of an element of my life. So I think that feeling of taking some control is also really important. And that's good for our confidence and our emotional well-being as well. Absolutely. And I would even add in there, it's not just the after part. I had a client who had stage four ovarian cancer and she happened to have the same oncologist that I did. And we were in for the like tour of the infusion space. And I said, Oh, I've actually been here. Uh, a friend of mine, I brought her to her treatment. I, I have been in here before. And, but my husband can take a peek and she asked who it was. And when I told her, she said, Oh, because she had passed. And I said, Well, what you'll be really shocked to know is that she was in my Pilates studio twice a week from three weeks after she was diagnosed to a week and a half before she passed. And the nurse looked at me shocked. And I said, I couldn't keep her out of the studio. Yeah. Like I, there was nothing I could do to, and yeah. she happened to also be a neighbor so she could walk. Mm. So she wasn't impeded by, you know, ability to drive or, but she on the days that she was feeling well, where we could actually move, we moved. And on the days where her treatment, you mentioned, you referred to this earlier as well, on those days where her treatment was causing anxiety and preventing her from sleeping, and we could do restorative poses that cooled her nervous system. And then she, I would watch her walk home and she would report back like six or seven hours later that she had gotten five or six hours of sleep. Yeah. Because that, yeah. this, that cooling of the nervous system and calming everything down. And for her, it really was about taking control. Yeah. I can't control anything that's happening right now. And she was 54. So quite young. And she was like, I can't control anything that's happening, but I can walk across the street and go. <laughs> and exercise my body twice a week. And absolutely darn it, I'm doing it. Absolutely. It feels good in so many different ways. And there are, as you said earlier, tons of barriers to exercise. I mean, I get that there's emotional barriers, there's physical barriers, environmental barriers, right? It's hard to find the time if you're working, it's hard to get to a gym. And during this pandemic, there's a whole bunch of different barriers. There are also just, you know, psychological barriers. Do I have the energy right now? Do I feel like it? Am I going to motivate myself? But 
if you can get yourself motivated to do it, it just feels so much better. So again, that sense of control, it does soothe your body, it does calm your nerves. For me, different types of exercises provide different benefits. And you know, um, everyone's different. So what works for one doesn't work for another. But for me, I, you know, figured out what was best for me and how it would fit into my schedule. Um, and again, it sometimes has to do with the rhythm of your treatment and knowing what days you're going to have more energy, what days you need the restorative session and what days you maybe need the more cardiovascular session, what days you feel comfortable getting outside for a walk and what days you might need to be you know, inside just doing some stretching or doing some incidental exercise in your home. So there's so many different ways yes. to get moving and to help yourself through physical fitness. Yes. And that mood boost, right? We talk about so many of the barriers are, you know, between our ears. Yeah. Or the emotions that are feeding the thoughts happening between our ears. Yeah. I did. No, no, I was just gonna say, there's no question that um, anxiety and depression are very prevalent in women or anyone diagnosed with cancer. Um, both during the process of treatment as well, well after into survivorship. And that has to be recognized. And there's also no question that exercise helps with both of those. And it's a little harder to get motivated when you're maybe suffering some from depression. But if you can, if you have someone to help you, um, to motivate you, to inspire you, to maybe do it with you, to support you, it can actually, um, it can be a mood boost. It can be, uh, just physically so satisfying. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk more about how to use that buddy system and talk about how you can get involved with Two Unstoppable. That sounds great. Thank you. Stay with us. I hope you're enjoying Unspoken Cancer Truths help people to get moving again and sometimes you just need to switch up the approach or find a new challenge especially when thinking about starting back after treatment or an illness one of my goals is to help you flip the idea of exercise as something that's hard awful or daunting and make it something fun maybe even a little social safely of course The important thing is that you want to get started and you're happy to show up for yourself and then you want to stay in the game because it feels good to move and you had fun doing it. Ready to reimagine exercise? You can email me at jennifer at fitnessdesignsolutions.com or schedule a coffee chat with me through the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm here with Michelle and we are talking about her breast cancer experience and how she came to found to unstoppable. And one of the things we were talking about kind of off air was how, and I found this with doctors on the lymphedema side, being a certified lymphedema therapist doctors get a really, really tiny amount of training on the lymphatic system. So we don't always get kind of that guidance on on where to go when it comes to lymphedema. And 
we were talking about how that's also similar for doctors when it comes to exercise um, and the prescription of exercise. That's right. So I think that most cancer providers, whether it's the oncologist or the surgeon or the radiation oncologist, they all have seen the research out there that tells them that exercise is very important, both before diagnosis, it can help to reduce your risk of getting cancer in the first place. But then during treatment, it can be very important for potentially improving the efficacy of treatment, helping women feel and, and look better during treatment. And then afterwards into survivorship, recovering from the side effects, recovering from their cancer related fatigue, and getting their life back in order. So during that whole process, exercise is very important. And the research is very, very clear on that. In fact, in the breast cancer world, um, studies have shown that women who exercise regularly have a 40% better survival rate and 40 to 50% lower recurrence rates for women who exercise regularly. Now, those kind of numbers are absolutely astounding. Um, There are, you know, small changes you make in your treatment to improve your odds by 2% or 5%. And these numbers are huge. So the doctors definitely are familiar with the research, and they know it's important for their patients to exercise. However, what typically happens is they tell their patient to exercise, but they're not able, whether it's time or training, to give them specific guidance. What does that mean? How how should I exercise? What kind of exercise? What would work best at this time? So what uh, women who are going through treatment or into survivorship need is to work with a trained cancer exercise specialist or a certified oncology fitness professional that is trained in working with cancer patients. There are special forms of uh, yoga classes called yoga for cancer, where the instructors are trained in teaching yoga specifically to cancer patients. There are specialized Pilates classes. There are special programs to train uh, personal trainers as well. So first of all, it's important to look for someone who's trained in oncology fitness in whatever modality of exercise you're looking to do. That helps to make sure that you're going to exercise safely and that you're focusing your attention on the kinds of exercise that are going to help you to recover from your side effects, to get your strength back, to improve your cardiac health, et cetera. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to hire a personal trainer. It just means that you need to to get educated on what's important in terms of that process. Um, I did co-found Two Unstoppable a few years ago. That is, we are an organization whose mission is to inspire and support women to get moving during treatment and well beyond treatment. And the reason we did that is because of our own personal experiences. You heard earlier about my personal experience with breast cancer. I had had an on and off again relationship with exercise before I was diagnosed with cancer. But once I got into my own journey um, and the advice I got from my doctor, I made it a priority in my life. And I wanted to educate other women on the importance of exercise, but also on how to make it part of their life, how to access exercise. And I'm here to tell you that there's no one size fits all, right? There are lots and lots of ways to get moving. Um, The recommendation from the American Cancer Society is generally similar to that for the general population. It's 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous exercise a week. 
Now, when you're in treatment, that might be closer to 75 minutes. But in general, the recommendation is 150 minutes or 75 minutes of very vigorous exercise for those who like that kind of movement. Um, Now, that's a guideline. That doesn't mean that if you can't fit 150 minutes into your week, that the the alternative is zero. Exercise benefits can be yielded two minutes at a time. So there's, if you can just get up during the day and walk around in between meetings or in between Zoom sessions or in between phone calls, or maybe even during a phone call, that's movement, that's exercise, going up and down the stairs of your house, gardening, taking a walk with your dog, that's all considered movement. And that's something we call incidental exercise. You know, uh, when we can get back to going to stores normally again, you can park a little further away from the store and walk across the parking lot to get a little extra movement in your day. So they say that sedentary is the new smoking, right? Um, just, yes. just we encourage people to just get moving. And then um, we were talking earlier about like out of the box exercise. Forms, yeah. Right. One of the things that Two Unstoppable likes to do is introduce women to new modalities of exercise because you never know what you're going to love doing. So there are programs like pickleball, there are rowing programs. Um, some people enjoy belly dancing. I've tried actually many of these and, you know, everyone, there's a different fit for everyone and what's going to work. And yes. one year, this kind of exercise might work for you. And another year, another kind might work for you. So you also want to be curious and open to new ideas. Yes, I'm a huge, huge, huge supporter of being curious in what works. And you said like this year, one thing might work and next year, another might work. And it's really important to know that before your cancer journey, something may have been working and after something else might just be a better fit. And one, it it might be because a a different form of exercise speaks to you differently. Um, It might also be that you're looking for like social support in addition to the exercise. So you might choose to do group fitness or you might choose to do buddy fitness because you're looking for the social support along with the movement. It might be that your body has changed and you have different needs. And that's one of the things I do want to make sure we emphasize is being patient with your body, listening to your body and recognizing what you need the most. So perhaps, you know, the recommendation is to combine some sort of um, cardiovascular exercise with strength. Um, There are many side effects from cancer treatments that affect our muscles. You know, chemotherapy makes kind of reduces our muscle mass. Um, Also, just not being as active during that time, we lose some of our muscle mass. And we talked about that earlier. But there are also things like uh, it throws you through menopause, you might lose bone density, you might lose some of the mobility in your upper body or other parts of your body. You might, those women who have had abdominal surgeries as a result of cancer, um, that may affect your core strength and you might need to either work on that or be a little more cautious about that. Um, so it really depends on what your treatment has entailed and how your body's doing and um, what you want to work on. So there's a lot of different options out there. Yes, absolutely. and. One of the things you had mentioned earlier was like side effect management. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of times it's counter exercise and movement is counterintuitive. Like 
things are achy and hurt. So the last thing you think is going to make you feel better is actually moving. And I was really surprised when I was on an AI for a very brief period of time, I had that like large muscle ache. So mm-hmm. my arms and my legs and my hips and my shoulders would be achy when I woke up in the morning. And if I got out and went for a walk, mm-hmm. as long as I was getting a certain amount of exercise every day, like walking yeah, and my dog walking actually counted. I wanted to mm-hmm. circle back on that. Cause you mentioned like dog walking counts and dog walking absolutely counts, especially when you're just getting back to like a regular movement practice. Dog walking counts because it's helping you get to that point of maintenance. Yeah. Dog walking might become maintenance where like you need to kick it up a little with some other kind of activity. And even um, walking your dog. uh, I have a couple of comments on that um, because I do have a dog and and she got me moving on many occasions. Um, One thing about that is you can always increase your, even the challenge in a dog walking, um, you know, you can walk a little faster, you can give yourself intervals, you know, you can say like, until I get to the edge of that block, I'm going to fast walk, and then I'm going to slow it down. Or I can, you know, even while your dog is sniffing a little bit, you can run in place, you can do 10 jumping jacks, you can actually increase the cardiovascular experience of even walking a small dog like mine that slows me down a lot. Or you can um, again, bring it down a notch, depending on what your needs are and what your goals are at the time. I I do want to loop back to the idea also that a dog provides, which um, you can grab a furry friend or you can grab a human friend. But one of the basic ideas in forming two unstoppable and our name starts with the number two, and then the word unstoppable is because we really do offer a free online fitness buddy matching program. And that is based on the recognition that um, if you have somebody that is counting on you to join them for exercise, you're more likely to show up for it. So it's easier to have an excuse and say, oh, I'm not going to walk today. I'm not going to do it today. But if somebody's waiting for you, you're more likely to do it. If somebody's checking on you, even if you can't physically exercise together, if someone's saying, what did you do for exercise today? Or I just walked 20 minutes. How are you doing with your goals? Um, Someone to hold you accountable is really, really beneficial. So, and then, you know, if you can find someone to actually exercise with you, it can be a social experience. As I mentioned earlier, I benefited from walking and talking with friends and um, peers. You can now, even with the pandemic, you can do that over the phone. I have many occasions where I have my own fitness buddy and we will set up a time to walk and we'll talk on the phone while we do that. And that just gets us both out there. I can tell you that nine times out of 10, I walk longer and farther because I'm on the phone talking to someone. We keep each other going much further. Even when we're walking our own dogs, they get more exercise, we get more exercise and it benefits everyone. So having a fitness buddy is a great way to inspire and motivate you and support you. And we talked off air earlier about how Oftentimes, people don't resonate with a support group per se, but getting active with a group of people who have been on similar journeys on maybe dragon, doing the dragon boat or rowing or playing pickleball, 
like those social experiences, we find the similarities and we find that people are experiencing some of the same things that we think we may be alone in experiencing because it's, and I love my doctors and I love my specialists, but exercise isn't always their go-to thing. But then we, and we also don't always have validation to what's going on with us. So, I mean, there's no question that cancer is incredibly isolating. Um, No one gets it like someone who's had cancer. And so that's actually a a lot of what Two Unstoppable is about is women who have been through cancer, supporting and inspiring each other, because we get it, we get what that cancer related fatigue feels like we, we get what that fear and anxiety feels like, we get what it feels like to have tight tissue in our upper body, because we had a surgery or because we had radiation, we get what it feels like when your skin is impacted by um, the treatment. So we get it and we can help each other. So I, I, this, the social support cannot be overstated. It's just such an important element. Um, one of the signature programs that Two Unstoppable offers that I do want to mention, because it's a really great example of that group support and group cohesiveness um, in the fitness setting, is we offer a group progressive exercise class for women who are within one year of treatment. So they've completed their active treatment. You can be on AIs or maintenance medications, but you've completed active treatment and you're within that first year after you've completed treatment. It's a class where everybody starts on the same day in kind of the same place and they progress together through a 10 week program where they're taught by an oncology certified fitness professional. They have a class. It's actually all offered virtually. So there's women from all over the country participating. They exercise together live on Zoom once a week. They get recordings of that class that they can do again. They're given a walking regimen. So we talked about the walking and how important that is as a complementary you know, form of fitness. So they're given a recommended walking regimen and they're encouraged to exercise um, as much as they can during the week. And this is progressive. So they, they improve and increase their workouts over a 10 week period. And each of them is assigned a buddy within the class. So they get that one-on-one buddy support and accountability but similarly, they also get that group support. So the, the totality of the cohesive group, we keep it small. It's like six to 10 women, typically around eight women in the class. And what we've found, it's been wildly successful. And what we've found is that that group support and the combination with the buddy support and the exercise training that they get where they kind of all get the same foundation is leading to an increase in their self-esteem, an improvement in their physical and emotional well-being. Um, and again, this and a continued commitment to exercise afterwards. Um, some of these classes, these women are still texting each other. They're getting together and doing the recordings together. And they're all feeling physically and emotionally better than they did going into it. So I I um, recommend that people, if they're interested, they can go to our website, which is twounstoppable.org and inquire about the class. It's uh, provided to women w- who have a cancer history at no charge. 
Um, so it's all funded by Two Unstoppable. It's an incredible program. So many women have benefited. And it does provide that sort of built in support group in yes. the context of an exercise um, environment. And I love that that social component and the that social support of having people who have been there. Um, you talked a little bit about kind of what to look for in a trainer. And I definitely, if your, your program is amazing for people to get started. And if they are looking for maybe a local person, um, I always encourage people to ask trainers, like, what experience they have in yes. working with people that look like you that yes. in working with people that have your, whatever the, whatever conditions they are, yes. there's new things coming up where people who are, have undergone breast cancer specifically, yes. we're talking more about that today, but, um, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard from women who have said, my doctor told me to exercise. So I went to my local gym and I, tr I joined the gym and then I went and had a trainer show me how to use the machines. And I told him I had neuropathy or I told him I had lymphedema or I told him I was having this side effect. And they looked at me and didn't know what I was talking about. Yes. And you know what? I was totally intimidated and I never went back again. Yeah. So and I can't so tell you common. how many times that happens when you're in an environment where they don't get the cancer world. They don't get the side effects you have. They don't get the um, limitations or the goals that you have um, and why you have them. So that's um, an, a very important factor that you find someone who understands the conditions that you're dealing with, maybe the medications that you're on um, for safety, for your own safety. Yes. And I that's always been a question that I've asked and people look at me kind of strange when I ask about medications they are like, why do my medications matter? I'm just here to exercise. <laughs> and I say, yes, but your medications can impact what you have going on. And in, in my experience, it's going to sound a little silly, but sometimes the more significant our conditions are, mm -hmm. the less we remember to disclose. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I've had, um, I've worked with um, oncology certified fitness professionals who, because of what they know, they can either encourage their clients to do more. They say, you know, you, you can do this, yes. right? Because some people are afraid to lift weights, for example, you can do this, but you have to do it safely in this, you know, progressive manner. And they also might say, you're trying to do too much. And they can tell them how to progress towards their goals safely. So um, many women are at risk for lymphedema and they need to know what those precautions are. And there are also women who are afraid to try things and they need someone to push them. So it can kind of go in both directions. And the important thing is that you work with someone who knows what they're talking about in the cancer world. So it's Absolutely. both from that professional perspective as and so you need someone who gets it and maybe a buddy or a group, you, it's nice to work with peers who get it. Yes, absolutely. And our peers can help us to break through some of our fears as well, because they can, someone can That's say. Right. That's right. They can say either I was in your shoes and I, yeah. I you know, did it, or I'm here to support you while you try. 
Um, and also what we found actually in the in the two you strong class that I was mentioning, the two unstoppable strong exercise classes, some of the women came into it with different levels of fitness going in, right? Like we all have different histories, we're all different ages. Yeah. Even if we had the exact same diagnosis, uh, we might physically be in different shape. And yet they can support one another in each person's goals. So one person's goal might be 10,000 steps a day and one person's goal might be 200, but you can be cheerleaders for one another, regardless of your goals, as long as you continue to hold each other accountable and make progress. So absolutely, um, that, that social support can be in all kinds of different forms. Yeah. And, and knowing what your goals are too, or having someone that, that is, in a, in a space where they can help guide you in that regard. I have a mentor who tells the story of the ladies golf pro in her Mm eighties who came and did Pilates three times a week because she wanted to keep playing golf. Mm. And then another lady of a similar age who was coming in because she was having trouble getting her coffee mug off the third shelf. Mm-hmm. And she, the, the golf pro was like super motivated and she was doing all the things. And the lady who wanted to get the mug off the third shelf was like, this is terrible. And yeah, look, a lot of this is about <laughs> functional fitness. It's about being able to function in your day to day and do what you want to be able to do. So whatever right. that is for you, it's important to set your own smart goals. I right. you know you want them to be realistic. You want them to be meaningful to you. You want right. them to be attainable. Um, so you need to set your own goals. And you know, why are you doing this? Look, it, it, motivation to exercise is is not unique is not a unique issue to the cancer population. I think exercise is that much more important in the cancer population because it can literally be the difference between survival and not or recurrence and not. But at the same time, our motivations are all different. What motivates me is different than what motivates you. And that's different than what motivates the next person. Um, The important thing is that and at Two Unstoppable, we focus a lot on educating women in order to inspire and support them, right? If you're educated, education is power. You can choose what's important to you and why. And again, you never know what for each individual is going to get that fire under their belly. You know, for me, it was learning about the muscle mass that I lost during my, my treatment and saying, I'm, I'm not even 50 years old. This is not okay. You know, I want to be able to function in my life and be strong and lift a suitcase when I go on a trip or whatever. So I, that was what motivated me. And then the benefits that, you know, the social and emotional benefits came along with it. And that was also really important, but for someone else, it might be a different goal and that's okay. What's important is finding what's going to motivate you and which form of exercise, as you said, we want to make fitness fun, which form of exercise is going to be enjoyable to you so that you'll keep doing it. Because the best exercise for you is the one that you'll do. Exactly. The mug can go on the second shelf. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And find something that is fun that keeps you, that's getting you moving in a different way where you're excited to show up with the buddy or. That's right. I mean, I do activity. I started, I don't know if it's six months ago or a year ago through my local cancer support center, I started doing cardio drumming. We, we have a once a week class and it is fun. 
It is a group form of exercise because you're all drumming to the same beat, but it is also a cardiac or cardio workout and talking about lifting, you know, being able to reach up to the shelf to reach the mug. We do a lot of upper body mobility work using the drumsticks. And so it is an amazing form of exercise for women who have had upper body surgeries or radiation, like those of us who have had breast cancer and been treated for it. And it is fun. It is joyful. It is group. It is, um, it's something I look forward to every week. Um, It was, to to be fair, it was a lot more fun in person, but we have kept it up virtually all along. I mean, I got myself my own drumsticks, although you can just use wooden spoons. And um, it is a really joyful form of exercise that I just love. Um, And by the way, there's YouTube videos of of cardio drumming if you just want to try it out. Well, and that is actually an amazing way to end our episode. The time always goes so fast. But that's such a great example of switching up the activities to create a joyful experience as opposed to a a drudgery type of experience. And I think exercise can go both ways. Like it can be really fun and joyful. And those are the activities that keep us coming back. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and experience. My last piece of advice to everyone is just keep moving. Yes. Yes, yes. So that's our episode this week. And if you've been wanting to get moving, but you're just not sure what you want to try, you can come on over to the Facebook group. Uh, Surviving is just the beginning. And If you want to connect with me directly, you can look for that coffee chat post to schedule some time on my calendar for us to chat. And you can also go to twounstoppable.org. Twounstoppable.org. It's www.thenumber2unstoppable.org. So www.twounstoppable.org. And you can follow us on Facebook also at twounstoppable. Yes, that's fantastic. And also look for the, if you go to Two Unstoppable, look for the January virtual walk and talk um, where you can meet Denise, probably, um, and Michelle and her, Her my co-founder, Ilana. And we have, we have lots of events on our schedule. If you go to our website, you can take a look at under move with us. You can see all of our events. We have lots of virtual fitness events. Some are regularly every month and some are one-time opportunities to try new modalities of exercise like cardio drumming or belly dancing. That's fantastic. So thank you all for listening and have a great week. Keep moving.